0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to Talk of the Town podcast, presented by the Gallia County Chamber of Commerce, the gateway to Gallia. Join us for routine episodes featuring interviews of chamber members and what all the talk is about in Gallia County. Let's get to the show.
1: Welcome back to Talk of the Town, and uh, I'm your host, Bob Hood, and now we're visiting with Caitlin Hallie. Caitlin is the Assistant Director at the Gallia County Convention and Visitors Bureau. Caitlin, welcome to the uh, podcast and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Hello, thanks for having me, Bob. Um, again, my name is Caitlin Halley and I'm the Assistant Director with the Gallia County Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, I've been with the Visitors Bureau for about seven and a half years, give or take. I've been a uh, volunteer with them years beforehand and did my internship with them. and. I just really love uh, tourism, and I just think Guya County is such a special place. In order to share our history and heritage and different things that we have here in Guya County, it's just a really special place to to live and work. Yeah, it's just I it, we are busy. We are busy over the busy VR right now.
1: And that's exciting. And uh, I was going to ask you how things uh, looked in the year twenty twenty three. It's been a good year for you. I know you've been out. You've been doing a lot of things. You've been on the go constantly, and. Looks like 2023 has been a, a good year for the Visitors Bureau.
0: It has been a great year. Uh, we've been doing a lot of new things. Uh, we've had a lot of um, other things that we've you know been doing for years. Like we just got done with the Bob Evans Farm Festival, which we always go out there for that. Um, and of course, we'll we have Gothic Lights coming up, and just so many things. It's it's hard to pick one.
1: So I want I wanted to that leads us into that segue get way leaves us into a discussion concerning the Gala Police and Lights and I know you've been part of that so tell us a little bit about I know this is their 11th year mm-hmm. so tell us about a little bit about kind of the history and kind of how it got started
0: okay so um, the Guy County Convention of Visitors Bureau we work as kind of a marketing portion of Galapolis and Lights um, we work a lot with Sherry Rocky she's fantastic And when Gal Police and Lights started, my understanding of the story is that Sherry um, and a few other people in the community drove by the city park, which is huge. It's like a side of a block. And um, they're like, man, I wish we had something. And she had put out on Facebook, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great? And it started small. And we've gotten to the point now where it is such a huge opportunity for community involvement and growth. And it was voted the merriest Main Street of America by the Today Show. And we were able to be on the Today Show last year. And I, I have to give all the credit and, and everything to the committee and volunteers of Gal Police and Light. Because it is a volunteer opportunity. So if you aren't familiar with Gal Police and Light all of that is volunteer done. It's all donation. It's not a business doing it. It is a group of people who are dedicated and just love to see um, our beautiful town on display.
1: And if you would like to uh, donate to that project, you can get a hold of either Sherry Rocky or one of the committee members. Mm -hmm. You can drop by the Visitors Bureau. We'll We'll gladly take care of uh, getting that money to where it goes with the Chamber of Commerce, either one. I know we have a lot of people who want to know every year, how do I reach out? How do I volunteer? There are some ways in the park. Um, they have some uh, donation baskets in the park set up. and But really, one easy way is to see a member of the committee, or you can drop by the Visitor's Bureau, drop by the Chamber, either one, and we'll make sure that your money gets to the right place. Now, let's talk a little bit about those volunteers. I know... From what I see here in my office and we observe almost every day there are people walking through the the park and even during the 30 plus days that were set up, they periodically check all of the the cords to make sure they're intact and the plugs to make sure there's electric and there's always those kind of iffy spots where we kind of maybe lose power because the park cannot hold all of that but Talk to me a little bit about the economic impact, as you see it, from the Visitors Bureau, people stay all night, they eat meals. Tell us, tell us about that uh, economic impact that comes from the Galapagos and Lights.
0: Well, first of all, when you come to Galapagos and Lights, especially during like the weekend, um, getting to the park itself is a journey because traffic is generally like backed up to the bridge, and like it's crazy, and trying to find places to park and. And parking at the library, which is a couple blocks away, it's totally worth the walk, don't worry about it. And um, so there's just so many people who come to our area um, for Gal Police and Lights. It's not just our locals. Now, of course, the locals get to enjoy it, you know, the whole season that it's up. But during the weekend, especially, it's really hit. And I see our restaurants. I see our hotels full. I was talking to someone a few months ago, and they already had reservations made for scalp Police and Lights specifically. So people come from all over to our community. They, uh, they eat in our restaurants. They shop in our stores. They stay at our, our lodging facilities. So it is a huge opportunity for Gaia to grow.
1: I was talking to uh, an employee just last week at the Dollar General store, I had to run over there for something here for the from the chamber, and she was telling me that it's even small things like gloves and scarves and people can they forget their hats or maybe a some a camera or a roll of film or something. People really do uh, just run into s- places and pick up last minute even a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was telling me that they are stocking up, and she said last year, she said tons of people just ran in for just an, a bottle of water, and then I was talking to. Uh, the management down at courtside, and uh he was telling me how busy they are and like you said you, you really can't get in courtside to eat um on on Friday night or Saturday night during that time so really quite a quite an economic boost and for you for the hotels and motels which uh pays uh which goes to your salary, which uh benefits the visitors' bureau but just such a such an economic uh, impact for our region.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that is as far as our image of Gaia County and Gal Place, you know, being able to be recognized for something so amazing and people say, oh, you're from Gaia County? Oh, that's where Gal Police and Lights is. And it's just, it's such a, a kind of a confidence boost, too, as a resident of Gaia County of I'm very not I'm not only just proud of being from from Gallia County because of Galpulice and Lights, but it's just you know another feather in our hat. And there's so many ways to get involved in it um, with the Visitors Bureau. We're primarily marketing um, for Gallia County. We share with people, hey, you need to come visit here and um, learn about our community and experience police and Lights. So it's really fun for me to work on the ads for Galpolis and Lights and go and get the photos and edit those, I that's one of my favorite parts of my job. So when like October, November hits, I get excited because I like putting those things together.
1: And I visited with a with a lady yesterday who told me that next to Clifton Mills, she thought that, Clifton Mills right outside of Cedarville, she thought that this was probably the number one light display in the state of Ohio. And there are those people who travel clear around the state to visit multiple light displays. So We would encourage you to come out, and it's going to start the uh, Wednesday prior to Thanksgiving, correct?
0: November 22nd through January 1st.
1: And tell us a little bit about the opening ceremonies there on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, so that starts at 530, and there will be food trucks, live reindeer, ice sculptures, musical guests, entertainment, of course, Santa Claus, free hot chocolate and cookies. Um, and the lighting ceremony itself, um, so you'll wanna focus on the bandstand, which is in the center of the city park, Um, and they'll flip the switch. There is a fireworks display, which is generally over, um, like, towards the the riverside First Avenue, Um, and the lights run from dusk till dawn. Now, the display is open 24 hours a day because it's the city park. It's available at all times, it is out, it's really fun to kind of see it in the day and at night, too, because sometimes you'll miss things. Last year, my husband and I and our daughter were walking through. My daughter runs over to this tree. I'm like, what is she doing? And there's this small little door. And I'm like, oh, honey, don't touch that. She opens it, and there's a little lights in there and, and stars and a Santa. And I'm like, I would have never noticed that. But, you know, being that short as a two-year-old, you saw it. And just like the magic of Galapagos and Lights, there's nothing better.
1: And let's talk about another project that you were very instrumental in, in starting and going, uh, coming up with and, and kind of spearheading. And that is the tour that goes along with the Gala Police and Lights. It's called the Heritage Light Tour. And you were really part of getting that Heritage Light Tour going. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about other businesses involved in the Heritage Light Tour.
0: Okay, so first of all, the Heritage Lakes Tour is free to anyone who wants to visit it. It will be December 7th, 14th, 21st from 5:30 to 7:30. So we will have our area museums open those evenings for free. Admission is free to the museums. You can go in any order you want. So we're gonna have the Aerial Opera House, the French Art Colony, the Our House Museum the Galapagos Railroad Freight Station Museum, and the John G. Black Historical Center. All of those locations are going to be open those nights during those times and doing their special Christmas tours. So what that means is they're going to focus on Christmas within their scope of history. So the Hour House, we'll talk about how they celebrated Christmas in the early 1800s. And um, I know last year, John G. Black Historical Center had toys that kids, you know, would get during Christmas. And they they have them on display and they would talk about them. and And all of them decorate for Christmas. And it is gorgeous. And to see some of these museums at night is such a different experience. And most of them will have free cookies and like hot cocoa and stuff. Um, And you can go in any order you want. You can stay the whole time at our house and then the next week hit all the other ones. Or you can do two one night, two the other night, and hit the last one the final night. You can do it in any order you want. Um, It's just such a really fun way to learn about, you know, Gaia County's history with a Christmas twist.
1: And I know I'm on the board at the French Art Colony, and and I worked one of those nights. My wife and I worked one of those nights, and you'd be surprised. We had a couple of guests from Huntington, uh, and then we had a couple of local people who said, hey, this is the first time I've been in the art colony. Mm -hmm. So many of those museums, and, and I know you find this out better than me, but you hear this story frequently, man, this is the first time I've visited this museum. And you might be a local. So, uh, but we, we found out during our time there at the French Art Colony that so many people were out and they were from a, a distance away and they were visiting Gallipolis and Lights and they chose to come around. So I think this is a great thing um, and, and I think it was very, very well done last year and I think it's going to be better this year.
0: It is. We have put um, a lot of changes in it. You know, we've, we put out a survey and we're really listening to the feedback that we got last year. One thing that we do have is for the first 100 guests. So each museum is going to get like a couple, like 20 of these giveaway bags. And in our giveaway bags is going to be coupons from local businesses, um, little promotional items from here, there, and everywhere. So if you are a local business that is listening, you can donate um, up to 100 items. That's what we're looking for. Um, to go into these bags for the guests who come to this as, as a little thank you and kind of encourage them to come out. And so if you want to do that, please get that to us by December the 1st to the Gage County Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're on 2nd Avenue across from the post office.
1: And just finally, as we wrap up, as we look uh, forward to the year 2024, I know one project that you've been very, very instrumental in and kind of spearheading again and starting that up as the final BOSCON, Tell us a little bit about, uh, as we as we wrap up this time together, tell us a little bit about plans for the final BOSCON for next year.
0: Yes, yeah, so the final BOSCON is being moved to May, May the 4th. and Is was was, that
1: May the 4th be with you? Is that, that, is that, is, that is correct. I, I, I got that.
0: <laughs> May the 4th. Um, it's going to be at the University of Rio Grande Line Center. Um, We already have three guests already. We have two voice actors and an actress. Um, So if you are a fan of, uh, let's see, Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, we have the guest for you. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. That means you just have to go to finalbosscon.com to find out who it is.
1: (laughs) You've done such a great job with that. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And lots of activities in the Rio Grande area that particular day. But we're looking forward to what that brings in as well as far as tourism dollars and, and money that's spent in our community.
0: Yeah, in 2023, we had just under 2,000 guests.
1: Wow, that's, that's, that's incredible. And I know you've worked on things to kind of change around some things out there to make it more comfortable for those that come and and participate so i think you're doing just an outstanding job
0: thank you we we look forward to to hearing um from our guests and hope you all can come out and the visitors here we've got a lot of plans for 2024 including our discover aqualata travel expo fishing tournaments and a bunch of other fun stuff that we have coming up
1: and we're excited about what lies ahead and the chamber is, is backing you 100% with whatever we can do to assist you. And Caitlin, you've always done a wonderful job. And um, you, you, you're you really right on top of things up there at the Visitor's Bureau. And uh, congratulations on a job well done. And we're looking forward to a great holiday season here in Gallup and Gallia County. Stop by the Visitor's Bureau uh, if you need anything there on 2nd Avenue, across from the post office. Also visit them online. Visit com or call them at 446-6882. And, and just stop by, pick up anything you need if it's just information. They got brochures, they got flyers, not about just Gallipoli and Gallaudet County, but neighboring communities as well. Caitlin, thank you for your time here on the Chamber of Commerce's podcast episode. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Gallaudet County Chamber's Talk of the Town and our guest today is Laura Snow Laura is the founder and the executive director of the R.E.L. and Carson Dater Performing Arts Center in uh, downtown Calipolis. Laura welcome to the broadcast
2: Thank you Bob it's a pleasure to be here on this beautiful day
1: Now let's talk about the next event coming up on the R.E.L. schedule and that would be the Christmas performance by the Ohio Valley Symphony
2: That's correct and this is the, we are now in our 34th season with the Ohio Valley Symphony having had our first performance on April 1st of 1989 and this Christmas concert coming up is sponsored by Holzer Medical Center as they have since the beginning and we always have this Christmas concert. You can count on this, it is always the first Saturday in December.
1: And can you just give us a little snippet of what we might hear that evening?
2: Well, you're going to be hearing magic because there's going to be wonderful Christmas music Some things that people know and love and some new things. And it will be conducted by Maestro Stephen Wong. And we also have our very special fundraiser, Maestro for a Moment, where we pick. And you were one of our Maestro candidates one year.
1: I was very many years ago, but I was. And it was a lot of fun.
2: Well, we like to put the fun in fundraising. So, yes, everybody that participates always says it was fun. And it would just be a lovely evening. And I might add that for all of the Ohio Valley Symphony concerts, we have a pre-concert chat at 645 in the third floor chamber theater. And that's with the conductor, soloists, and any guests that we might have. It's, in, it's informal. You can wander in and out. And it's just a lot of fun. Background history on maybe the music or the composers or that sort of thing. Then the concerts start at 730 p.m., in the main auditorium in the Ariel Opera House, and we always also have a post-concert reception so that the guests can greet the artists.
1: Now, tell us a little bit about, I mean, this is the premier event for the Ohio Valley Symphony. It's always the most packed out. We hope to pack it out every time, but it is always the very fullest. It's a very, very, very kind of a mixture of old Christmas and new Christmas and a lot of a lot of Christmas from the past, of course. What's the end song? Sleigh ride. Sleigh ride. Yes, thank you. Sleigh ride. Yeah, um, that is always such a that's such a highlight and a, very much a climax of the uh, of the performance uh, to hear the symphony. And Laura, tell us a little bit about the uh, the CD arrangement that's that's coming out that night. You were telling me that you hope to have maybe uh, some of the Roaring Twenties. You hope to have a presentation that will roll out soon. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, last May, we recorded a concert titled The Roaring Twenties, and this was all music from the 1920s, with all brand new arrangements by the premier pops composer in this country, Tim Behrens, who has written for many years for the Cincinnati uh, Pops Orchestra and recorded many uh, pieces with them, but he's also heard in major orchestras all around the country and abroad as well. So we were very lucky that he wanted to do all these brand new arrangements, including one for Rhapsody in Blue, which premiered in 1924, February 12th of 1924. So we had originally still this concert for 2020, but we all know what happened that year. So we put it back and we finally had it this past May. It was recorded by a premiere and multiple Grammy-winning team, and they really captured the magic sound of the Ariel. And um, I have um, the CDs from that concert just arrived and are available for sale, and the DVDs will be here in another few days, so people can uh, get a taste of that concert. They can also, um, they'll also be able to watch it on public television. We wanted to premiere on February 12, 2024, the exact 100th anniversary of its premiere with George Gershwin himself at the piano. And this arrangement uh, that Tim uh, made this, uh, for this piece, he went to the Library of Congress and studied Gershwin's original writings and uh, did his work from there.
1: I'll tell you what, I was there, Kim and I were there that night, and it was just an absolutely fabulous performance, as well as all the other uh, symphony uh, productions are always just the top of the line, but that one particularly, and maybe it's because I like that type of music, or maybe it's because I I really like Tim Barron's. I think he does a great job, and um, so I, I, it was just a great uh, starlit evening that night, and to think that you recorded it and it'll be available for us to view is, is just absolutely sensational. Now outside of the Ohio Valley Symphony we have a lot of other things going on at the REL. Tell us some other things that take place at the theater.
2: Well the other event we have coming up in December, uh, the one event after the symphony concert, is going to be our annual Tuba Christmas, Merry Tuba Christmas. And this is part of a national program that They have, uh, uh, it was started by Harvey Phillips, uh, a a very famous tuba player, and he started this this foundation to promote uh, tuba music. And so people gather in towns all across the country throughout the month of December, and they play uh, these tuba Christmas arrangements that Harvey Phillips uh, had made for the um, uh, purpose of doing this. And it's just a lot of fun. So tuba players and euphonium players are invited to come and play. And as a kind of a interesting twist on it, the audience does not pay. It is free to attend. The musicians pay to be a part of it. And a lot of them will come and and see as how many can they play And how many different towns. Uh, we have people that have drive for hours just to come and play for this, as they do for other tuba Christmases around the country. And it's just a lot of fun. It'll be at 2 o'clock on Saturday, December 9th, and it's free to attend, and it's just a lot of fun, and it's a great way to to get some holiday cheer in your life.
1: And there's some audience participation there as we sing along, and, and I know we've been every year, I think. And it's a great opportunity to sing some of the carols and to learn some history behind some of the music. And it's just a a great opportunity to put you kind of in the Christmas spirit, I guess I, I will say. Now let's go back in time a little bit and talk about the restoration project. I know you, I say single-handedly, but I know it took a whole uh, took a whole community to to do what you did. But uh, you had a vision. You yourself had a vision to see this opera house restored, and uh, tell us a little bit about the vision that you had when you started the REL.
2: Well, I had a vision about starting a professional orchestra, and that's what I wanted to have happen. And I thought, we can be different. And I also wanted to make sure that it was a haven for artists, because my feeling is, is that when someone is contented in their job, They will do a better job. That's true for any worker. But I feel like for anything in the arts, which has all of your arts, all of them, dance, music, visual arts, what have you, they have an emotional aspect. And if someone is contented and feels safe and and happy in their their workplace, then they can open up their hearts and uh, let those emotions come out through their artwork. And I feel this is something that the audience uh, picks up on, either consciously or subconsciously. But I've had so many people mention it to me that they notice that the musicians look happy and they're they're smiling and they're enjoying the music, the, the work that they're doing. So that's a hallmark of what was from the very beginning and stays true to this day. So it was, um, as I was in the early days, I was telling people about this. I want to start an orchestra, and uh, actually, it was Jan Baylor who said to me, "Well, you know, there's an old theater over there." I didn't know it was there, and I got someone to let me in. And it was for me, it was love at first sound <laughs> because I walked in and I could just hear how special the acoustics in that space was. So um, I garnered up a bunch of people and um, people. There were people that worked in there for months and years, and there were some people that worked in there maybe one day or one afternoon. But uh, so many community people pitched in and did the actual work, starting with cleaning it up. It was filthy, and there was trash and garbage, and the pigeons had been um, living there for a while and doing their thing, so there was quite a bit to do there. And then we had to bring in the professionals for the code work, like electric and plumbing and uh, plastering. We did not um, do any new methods on that. One of the reasons the acoustics are so spectacular in the REL is those uh, thick uh, walls. They're about 14 inches thick, and they're covered with plaster, and that makes the sound amazing in there. So we stayed with that same old three-step plastering method. I had to find a firm that actually knew how to do this plastering method from the last century, and, But everybody pitched in. They painted, they patched floors, uh, and they had a lot of fun doing it. And then in 2005, uh, a patron who I had not met, who had not been in the Ariel herself, but she had been reading about us in various periodicals and hearing things. And we had talked on the phone, and she knew that the building was up for sale, and she purchased it and gave it to us as a permanent home for the Ohio Valley Symphony in perpetuity. There will always be an ariel, there will always be a symphony. And she thought it was that important. She she said to me many times, the world would be a better place if more people listened to symphonic music. And she was willing to uh, uh, stand up behind that philosophy. So now we own the whole 25,000 square foot facility. And we have in that facility, not only the wonderful auditorium with the great acoustics, We have um, the storefronts on street level, and we have a banquet room and ballroom on second floor, and on the third floor, which was the former lodge room, we have made into a chamber theater theater that seats uh, approximately 130 people, and we also have a beautiful boardroom that we restored and and Paul Simone's family um, helped restore that and uh, make it beautiful, and they wanted that to be in his memory.
1: Now, you have a board, a volunteer board, correct? That I do. That serves, and um, some of those board members, they are, I know Tracy, I know Jason, but some... Get, well, our,
2: our board, the REO board president is Tracy Call. The vice president is Jason Holdren. The treasurer is Chris Petro, and the secretary is Jenny Evans. We also have Mike Owens, Shirley Doss, um, Judy Holland, and Mike Owens.
1: And so they they are the oversight committee that kind of lays out...
2: They're the governing board, just like any other board of directors.
1: Now, how far in advance does, do you work to schedule these symphony performance?
2: A year in advance.
1: So we're talking about a year from now, some of the exciting things that are going to be happening. And you always come up with new ideas. You always come up with clever ideas to, to host these these symphonies, and it really is a nice evening. If, if anyone's uh, looking for a great evening out, go grab a dinner, and then uh, catch a, the uh, Ohio Valley Symphony there at the REL Theater. Great place to watch, uh, and, and you said it. The acoustics are, are really great, and it does, really, Laura. It puts you in a different mindset. You can just... Uh, I always turn off my phone so that I'm not distracted, and it it's like you're living in the moment, I guess, is what I, I want to say, and you can actually... I enjoy so much the the stories behind the pieces, they'll tell you a little bit about that. And and you can almost, you can really almost hear those pieces taking place as the, as the music is played.
2: Yes, I think so too. Music can elevate you to a higher level, just a whole different level. And words can't really describe it. And if someone says to me, oh, I don't know, I don't like that kind of music. I say, well, come give it a try. You know, I think it's something important to mention. You know, I told you I didn't want to be like other orchestras. One of the things we have in place and have since the beginning is open rehearsals. Anyone can walk in and walk out of our rehearsals, which are around the concert times, and that would be Friday night, seven to ten, Saturday one to four, you know the around the weekend of the concert. Come in anytime. I especially tell people to come in on the Saturday afternoon rehearsal if they have young children sometimes. The youngest ones can't stay up that late to sit through a whole evening concert. Uh, sometimes people don't like to drive at night. Sometimes older people don't want to drive at night; they have trouble seeing. Uh, perhaps someone has to work. Perhaps someone doesn't have enough money to buy a ticket. Although our tickets are very reasonable, uh, and and I like to I like to tease people when they say, "Oh, I don't like that kind of music." It's come into the rehearsal. Come in. Try it. Taste it. See if you don't love it, because. Once they come in, of course. They're hooked. <laughs> They're hooked. They'll yeah. love it.
1: <laughs> now, tell us how you can uh, become a member of the REL or purchase tickets. Tell us how you can do that.
2: Well, it's not necessarily a membership. Anybody is welcome through the REL doors. We, um, If you would like to purchase tickets for any event uh, in the symphony, it's all on our website at arieloperahouse.org. That's A-R-I-E-L, operahouse.org. And you can go on there and click on the show you want to come to, and then there'll be a screen that comes up with boxes showing the different sections. You click on the box, and it shows every seat in there. And you just select your seats and put your name and credit card in there, and you've got a ticket.
1: And it is very, very user-friendly. I've done it myself, and I'm not real computer illiterate, although I do have some abilities, but I found it very, very Uh, user-friendly very simple to navigate around and so try it it, it's very worthwhile your time so if you're looking for uh, tickets there go to their website and also you can get information there as well as upcoming events and and uh, that that sort of thing
2: there's also we have a sec we have a number of sections on there we have a short video history of the RL and so you can see some pictures of the of the um, restoration process that we went through and some even some pictures from before. I have a picture of the then-manager's family, uh, the Wheeler family, riding in a boat just about to go in the Ariel front entrance in the 1937 flood. The water was up that high. He literally rode his boat into the theater because that's how high the water was. Um, And uh, also a little bit about Opera House. The, this The R.L. is a very typical 19th century opera house, and these were structures that uh, proliferated throughout the country, um, and usually at the behest of some kind of a lodge. Maybe it was the Masonic Lodge, the Elks, the Moose, the Oddfellas. Ours was an Oddfellas Lodge, and typically they had storefronts at the street level for business to get some income. They had a banquet, ballroom, what have you, or perhaps the theater itself would be on second floor, and the top floor was always reserved for the lodge because they felt whatever the lodge was, they felt like they were the upper level, the upper class, uh, the the leaders of the community, and they wanted people to look up to them, and also it would hide any secrets of any of their secret ceremonies. Um, But they thought of themselves as elevated, and it didn't really matter which lodge. There were some magnificent structures built during that time, and a lot of them were lost to the wrecking ball. We're very, very lucky to save this this, uh, facility. It is truly an extraordinary acoustic instrument of its own. We treat it as an instrument. We've literally designed the orchestra around it. So um, if you're wondering what makes it so great, it looks really good. But guess what? The best thing is to hear it. So you'll want to come, and the, and really, since the Ohio Valley Symphony is our professional arm, that's the best way to really get a good taste of what the R.L. is all about, how the how beautiful the sound is.
1: Laura Snow has been our guest this afternoon on the Gallia County Talk of the Town, your radio podcast. Laura, we want to thank you for your time. It's been a good good thing visiting with you. We want to encourage you. Uh, If you're listening, to come out and support uh, these businesses like the REL Theater. Support this theater. Uh, It needs you, and you need them. And we want to say thank you for um, being uh, supportive of the Chamber of Commerce, and we want to just uh, wish you the very best as we prepare for the holiday season. And uh, once again, Laura Snow, the executive director and founder of the REL Ariel and Carson Dater Performing Arts Center. And thank you very much. And you've been listening to the Gallia County Chambers Talk of the Town.
0: Talk of the Town is produced and edited by Mug with a Mic podcast. If you are interested or have an idea for a future guest or would like more information on the chamber and their resources, you can find them on Facebook. Or you can email Bob Hood, Executive Director, at Bob, B-O-B, at Or contact Haley Oborn at Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y, at galliacounty.org. You can also call them at 740-446-0596.